Hello and welcome to the DMA Politics Podcast. My name is Michael Sturrock and I'm sitting here with External Affairs Manager Zach Thornton. Hello. And we are going to be going through the latest developments in politics and what's happening in Westminster and with Brexit. If you want to get in touch with us about anything that's happened recently or anything that you hear in the podcast that you'd like to ask more about, you can reach us on our emails, which are firstnames.lastnames at dma.org.uk. And if you're on Twitter, please do get in touch. Use the hashtag DMAPolPod and you can also tag the DMA account, which is DMA underscore UK. So last time we left you, which is a few weeks ago now, Theresa May had just won a vote which allowed her to go back to the EU and renegotiate some aspects of the backstop. And you might think this is happening over and over again, and you're absolutely right. This has been the case since November or so, that she's been trying to go and get uh, further legal assurances from the EU. And what's changed in that process so far is that she's committed to giving some say to Parliament, which would allow them to give uh, different indications of what they want the vote to look like and what, or whether they want a no deal or whether they want to extend the time. So last night there was a series of votes and uh, Parliament voted to give the option to extend the time that it takes to negotiate the withdrawal agreements and they also voted against a no deal. The big, I think the big problem Theresa May's had so far with the uh, Irish backstop is that her, her own party, well, a certain wing of her party, the European Research Group, that's the one headed up by Jacob Rees-Mogg and the other Brexiteers, they remain completely opposed to the Irish backstop because um, they think it will end up meaning that we kept in the EU by other means for forevermore. Um, however, they have been weakening their rhetoric a little bit of late uh, with uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg saying he would uh, accept an appendix to the uh, withdrawal agreement that was tantamount to in, in putting a time limit on uh, the backstop. But the EU has said time and time again they are against this and they can't put a time limit on the backstop. Although they hope that it would never be used for a long period of time, they're unable to put a time limit on it. Um, so this is why Theresa May has been struggling. The, the two views are hard to reconcile with each other. And uh, I can't imagine really that the EU is able to give the legal assurances that perhaps some of the Eurosceptics over to MPs mm. are looking for. Perhaps they can do some wording, but whether they can give that the legal certainty that many want is, yeah. is unclear at the moment. Absolutely. I was having dinner last night with some Tory MPs and they said that the ERG might just have to take their indications from the DUP. So if the DUP are satisfied with the deal, then it's, it's hard for the uh, ERG to justify um, still voting against the deal. But as Zach was saying, it's going to, at present, it's quite difficult for them to vote for it and there's not going to be many changes. So it's unlikely that anything will be... Uh, changing in the near future and what what has happened is that Parliament has now voted to basically allow the government to seek an extension from the EU if it wants and the position of the government for ages has been we will be happy to go to a no deal we will be happy to forgo the 36 billion that they uh, that we are owed to the EU and we are happy to crash out and use that as a threat and essentially now they've said to the EU that uh, actually we're not going to do that anymore, we'd, we'd rather have an extension than go to no deal and ar arguably the UK has blinked in that, that regard and that was something that we didn't want to do. The, the, the problem though with it extending Article 50 is to what end are the government going to extend Article 50? So it's all well and good that Parliament have now voted to extend Article 50 but to do that the EU also has to agree to extend that Article 50. Um, the EU have said before they will only agree to that if there's a clear reason for doing so. So that means that 
Theresa May has, is able to find a majority in Parliament for something, a deal that works and that can be passed. If it's just being extended for the sake of it, then in a sense this could be the worst possible option because it means that there's prolonged uncertainty for businesses, so investment will remain low because companies are worried about what will happen in the future because they don't know. So it could make the problem potentially potentially worse and we could mean that Theresa May's deal or a version of it still isn't voted for or approved by the UK Parliament. So you have the same problem in June that you have now, but it also adds a number of other complications that there are European elections coming up. So if we de delay leaving, mm -hmm. then we need to have representation. If we're still a member of the EU, then we need to have MEPs sitting within the Parliament. Otherwise, we'll be a member of the EU, but without democratic mm. representation. So there's huge problems there. We have an election in the UK, but we're going to leave only a month later. The elections are in May and we would leave in June. Yeah, apparently the 21st of June is the last date that we can have an extension until before we definitely have to have EU elections. And that's the EU are insisting and that would just need to be the case. Yeah. At the moment, Theresa May's plan is to hold a second meaningful vote in March. Uh, it will take place on the 12th of March. Um, MPs will have a chance to vote on her deal. Obviously, she's hoping that in the, between now and then, she's able to receive those legal assurances from the EU that will allow her to come back to Parliament, especially to the DUP and to Eurosceptic Conservative MPs, and, and say that she has got those concessions from the EU and now the backstop essentially has a time limit and it won't be a measure to keep, a way to keep the UK in the EU forever. Therefore, she's able to pass her deal and everything's hunky-dory, we move forward on that basis. Mm -hmm. Though most people don't think that will happen, they think that it will be difficult for Theresa May to get those assurances, or at least perhaps she will have some sort of new wording from the EU, but it won't be enough to convince the DUP and others uh, that enough of a concession has been made. So that her deal will be voted down by Parliament. The next day, there will then be a vote on whether Parliament will approve a no-deal Brexit. I mean, that seems very unlikely, considering that Yvette Cooper's amendment that was voted on yesterday approving well, against a no-deal Brexit, mm. received, I think, 432 votes in Parliament. So, like yeah. yeah, I doubt that a no-deal would be, be voted on a few weeks from now. Mm -hmm. And then after that, there will be a vote in Parliament on whether to approve and endorse an extension to mm -hmm. Article 50. And then it's rather unclear how we'd move on yeah, after, after, after that date. So essentially the votes on the 12th, 13th and 14th will kind of confirm what the vote did last night. So they will vote against no-deal and vote for an extension, most likely, and that just essentially kicks the can down the road. Mm -hmm. And there's been one interesting development with Labour. They also tabled an amendment which fa failed last night, which asked the Prime Minister to go back and renegotiate the deal to include a closer relationship with the single market and to have some kind of customs union with the EU. But that, as I say, was voted down. So this means that Labour will technically move to their official position being that they endorse a second referendum to protect them against what they say is a damaging Tory Brexit. So Jeremy Corbyn, the leader, has always been a bit lukewarm, or in fact has just been against the idea of a second referendum, if we're being honest, and the rest of his leadership team are much more in favour of it. So last night, Keir Starmer and some others came out much more emphatically in favour of their position being a second referendum, whereas Jeremy Corbyn said that they still want to keep the options open. So. We'll see how that plays out over the coming days, but fans of the idea of a second referendum should be pleased at this point, although the implications of that are pretty significant. Yeah, I think it's it, one, one thing certain a second referendum would cause a great deal of turmoil in British politics. Obviously, a large proportion of the population would be very unhappy by that, and it would still cause a great deal of uncertainty. Mm. I think that Corbyn 
hand has been forced somewhat by the breakaway MPs that left his party, mm. uh, led by Chakarimana, to form their own independent group of MPs. That means they cited anti-Semitism and other issues as a, a cause f- for leaving, mm. but also one of the main issues for them was also Brexit, because all of those MPs that left, they were big champions of the so-called uh, People's Vote, which is the second referendum yeah. on EU membership. And that new in- independent group of MPs doesn't just include uh, Labour MPs, it also includes Conservative ones as well. So far, three Conservatives have joined them and they now sit together in Parliament on the opposition benches from the other side of the government. Mm. So potentially more Remainer-minded Conservative MPs or Ministers could join that group or use the threat of of joining that group to force Theresa May to really take no deal off the table or even to push for a second referendum, Mm -hmm. although I doubt that she would push for a second referendum given the red lines that she's clearly articulated up Mm -hmm. to to this point. Mm. One of the uh, chief problems with a uh, second referendum is what the question will be. Um, Some people are of the opinion that the second referendum, seeing as we've already had a referendum on leaving the EU, the second referendum should be on in what way do we leave the EU. So that would be possibly with no deal or with Theresa May's withdrawal agreement. That those could potentially be two options. Labour have decided not to go down that route um, and they've so far stated that the question would include a choice between remaining in the EU, so the status quo that we have now, and uh, leaving the EU, uh, Theresa, May's, Theresa May's deal or perhaps no deal. I don't think they've decided quite yet what the leave option will be, but they are talking about a straight binary choice between two different options. There was some talk that because of the different options that are available, there are more than two. Uh, that we could have a, a single transferable vote where people could rank which option they most preferred and go to going down those they least preferred and then the one with the net most positive uh, votes would be the one that was passed. Um, that has some problems because it's, it's quite a complicated system and it's not a voting system that many people in the UK are, are used to and not necessarily so clear-cut for a referendum. So Labour going for that straight binary for remaining in the EU mm. or some sort of leave option, whether that's a, a no deal or the... Prime Minister's withdrawal agreement. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, all the, all this going forward, all these options are just another layer to this whole process, and the at level of apathy among the public is just huge. Apparently, I saw a poll this morning said sixty two percent of people are fundamentally bored of Brexit, and only thirty percent of people find it interesting now. Brexit overkill for, for sure. Mm. In terms of for DMA members, the main issues in terms of data protection and privacy uh, related related issues haven't changed a great deal. Um, the fact that no deal is a possibility means that there could be possibly in the future severe disruption to the free flow of data. Mm-hmm. Companies' ability to send personal data from operations based in the EU to the UK could become very difficult. So that is still a, a big risk. And if we leave with no deal, it's it's far from it's far from guaranteed that we will have adequacy status on data. Some in the government remain very positive that the UK will have adequacy status very quickly. Um, but they, that isn't necessarily reflected on the EU side. I've had meetings with um, European governments and, and civil servants over, over there uh, based in the EU institutions and they don't feel that the UK should be, to take it for granted that they would have adequacy and they've cited concerns around uh, surveillance and security laws in the UK. So there are lots of potential hurdles to that and it's far from clear cut that we'd be able to secure adequacy status in a relatively short period of time. It's taken years for other countries to do so, so there could be potential political problems associated with going for adequacy status in the event of a no-deal Brexit, which would sour relations anyway between Mm -hmm. the UK and the EU. Yep, so to sum up, three things to remember. No-deal is now 
significantly less likely, an extension is quite likely, and the idea of a second referendum is back on the table at least. How likely is hard to say. Before we go, Zach has a quick announcement about our data protection conference that's happening tomorrow in Euston Square. This Friday on the the 1st of March, we have our data protection uh, conference. It's our flagship conference we host uh, every year. Um, It's at 30 Euston Square. As you can imagine, this conference is going to focus particularly on Brexit. So we have someone from the CBI, from their EU negotiating team, Jonathan Brenton, coming to uh, the conference. And he's going to give a presentation on where we're up to with negotiations, discuss some of the future options and uh, what the main risks are uh, for your business in terms of data, but also more general business issues as well. Um, We have a number of other talks and presentations on the day um, discussing various different issues, so GDPR, the e-privacy regulation, and other things like that. And at the end of the conference, we also have uh, roundtable sessions. So Michael and myself will be hosting some of those. Michael will be hosting a Brexit one, and I'll be hosting one on on privacy. So do come along to the conference and come meet us in the flesh and discuss Brexit and everything else. And that's about it from our roundup this week. If you have any questions, please do get in touch with us. Hashtag DMA Polpod on Twitter, or you can tweet directly at DMA underscore UK, or you can email us firstname.lastname at dma.org.uk. Thanks very much for listening. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you.